0: It is, in fact, just like watching Man City, here on the Owls AmeriCast, Sheffield Wednesday Opinion with an American accent. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternastro. This week, I am drinking a Scenic 12. Uh, It's still a little hot and humid here. Sounds like it's going to get into, or drop down into the 70s over the weekend and be dry in lower 70s for most of next week, but... A little bit sticky. I need something to cool off. I'm going to go into the Spritz family. It's called a Scenic Twelve. It's a play on the Americano. It uses sweet vermouth like the Americano, but instead of Campari, it is a local amaro called Natom from the Water Pocket Distillery. Notes of peppermint, anise, and galanga, and it melds quite well with the with the sweet vermouth. Sort of the bitter and the sweet they balance each other out quite well. Uh, and there's a lot of it. It is topped with club soda of course, to make it a long drink. Uh, although unlike the Americano, the uh, or unlike Campari, I should say, in the Americano, the Inatum is bottled at 80 proof because you take a little bit of the edge off when we're talking about Sheffield Wednesday, even if it's a team that scored more goals at home this year than the aforementioned Man City. And joining me to discuss another glut of goals at the weekend in New England, sorry, New England Owl, Justin DeSorger. Justin, what are you drinking?
1: Hey Jeff, um, we uh, we were doing the ooh, kids playing multiple sports, running around like maniacs thing. Um, I ordered some dinner for my wife to pick up so that she could get on her way home to grab the kids from the rink because I had to stay and coach and all sorts of running around. And I realized I had this tonight. I told her, grab me some beers. And to her credit, you know, and she said, what beer? I said, I don't care. She said, well, you don't want hoppy IPAs. I said, I do not. Um, and she appeared with, uh, Castle Island, uh, brewing company, which Castle Island is, uh, right off of South Boston. Um, the Candlepin American pale ale, all strikes, no gutters. So Mm. for those not from New England, Candlepin is a form of 10 pin bowling that is a little bit different than what you see around the rest of the country. Smaller ball, uh, the pins are, well, shaped more like candles, um, and you get three balls instead of two. It's a very and, New England uh, slash And the pins Atlanta that get knocked province.
0: down stay on the lane, so you can use them to true. knock into other pins, unlike uh, regular 10-pin or duck pin.
1: Very true. Well, let's not get into duck pin. That'll really confuse people.
0: <laughs> not even that many duck pin uh, centers left. We had one... I mean, I've been a fairly competitive bowler since I was five years old in, in regular 10-pin. And there are a lot of the centers out by you, like in like... Brockton, and uh, what's the one on the little? Uh, I used to bowl all of these. There's one of, there's one though even further out on the little hook. Uh, often have would have like a bunch of ten pin lanes and some candle pin lanes on the end. So at the end of tournaments, we would uh, after qualifying or whatever, we would all go down to the candle pin and just play, you know, whatever ten bucks a game. I'll throw it in a pot, and of course, it's so wildly different than actual. 10 pin bowling yes. out of us for There are very few people that are, that are good at both, although they are out there. But we will I'm not, sure. we don't have much to talk about, but we will not digress too far <laughs> into a New England bowling discussion here on the Alice America. So we will instead discuss the Wickham Wanderers game at the weekend, do a little Wednesday news. There's no Wednesday news. We'll maybe talk some September player of the month and preview the Port Vale game. And the Plymouth game. Uh, the Plymouth preview might sound very familiar if you listened <laughs> to episodes <laughs> ago because we're not recording new stuff for it. But in case you missed it, it's new to you. We will start with a 3-1 win against Wickham Wanderers. My word is progress. I thought this was... It, it's. It's starting to sort of grind into some sort of... Shape now, right? We're starting to see how the team wants to play. They're mostly fit. We have got, you know, some I thought very good performances from Marvin Johnson and Reese James and Michael Smith, like the you know the players you would expect to be major factors in the squad that maybe haven't either haven't had a long run because of uh, fitness, in Smith's case, or maybe have had a little uneven start in Johnson and James' case really started to show what they have to offer the team. And look, Wickham's not been off to a good start, but they were a team that were in the playoffs last year, have been a bit of a a bogey team for Wednesday. I mean, it's something they've only been in this league for a year, but you know, a team where they're kind of annoying to play. And look again, they were kind of annoying to play, uh, but Wednesday, you know, Stayed within, you know, they they stuck to the plan. They created chances. They saw the game out. We move on with three points.
1: Yeah, no, they. I I don't think that's unfair to call them a, a bit of a bogey team, given you know we had them in the championship and then last year, and it, it was a team that we really struggled to not just break down but deal with their. uh I guess you could call the regressive tactics and. uh well, playing shithousery, it's been something that in the past has really caused us trouble and frustrated us players and coaches and fans. And and I thought, well, I was not particularly impressed uh, with the excitement level of the game no. on Saturday. I think uh, progress is fair. That that was an example of a game that, you know, much like the previous uh, league game, we, we thought we would have lost that last year um, or in the previous few years. And in this year... Not only did we not lose it, we uh, regained control of the game, and, and well, absolutely nothing happened in the second half <laughs> until the 95th minute. Um, it was still uh, it felt very comfortable, and, and this doesn't feel like something that doesn't feel like how we would have seen the game out a year ago. So I, I think progress is a pretty apt word, Jeff.
0: The funny thing is, so obviously they get you get a you get a goal in the first minute, you know, really almost from kickoff, a uh, classic. 2021 2022 marvin johnson whipped low cross from outside the area that gets bundled in by a wickham uh, defender. jacobson who's pretty yeah.
1: he's pretty good yeah i, I mean I if he didn't get it like smith was, was
0: gonna just tap that in anyway like, he really had no no choice in the matter <laughs> and so obviously wickham can't do their usual tactics so wickham tried to play a little bit and honestly looks pretty good doing it <laughs> yeah um, yeah, they looked they, like they, they had some. They had some. I mean, it's League One, but they had some verve going forward. They got a quick equalizer, and then went back to doing the uh, <laughs> the Wickham bullshit, basically, which is just like you can like Wednesday are very capable of shipping goals. You can create stuff. You don't have to play like that, and you know, again, it wasn't like a huge spell, obviously, because Wednesday had a lovely goal on the counter. Uh, you know, a nice bit of you know give and go in the midfield and then a nice run by michael smith and a nice cross in for a tap in for bannon and then yeah the second half you would have liked them to get a get a third goal to see it out and they did drop a little deeper than i would have liked in the last 10 to 15 minutes or so but you know they did
1: did get a third goal.
0: uh, they did also that ends well um it's one of those where it's like you want kind of Wilkes to take it into the corner and just see it out. It was literally the last kick of the game I at know. that point. And but of course you just got like Callum Patterson just coming in as a sub in stoppage time, like Leroy Jenkinsing his way into the box. And then what you <laughs> set it up? You set it up for him, fine, whatever. Uh, good to see Pat he in he and then 90th, on the score sheet. Yeah. Ninety
1: fourth minute he comes in. Ninety plus four. I love it. Um that's a great point you raised though, Jeff, to bring up their their play. That was sort of my two big takeaways for this game was each team's response to the goal. Mm-hmm. We score instantly. And I thought we looked like we kind of thought the game was won at that point and went, went to sleep. And you're right. They really controlled. It was about uh, right up to their goal. And a couple of minutes after both, uh, Sam Vokes, who's been a menace for mm-hmm. a long time. Um, and, and the kid that we mentioned in the preview, Anis, uh, Mamedi, I thought he was fabulous. And he, he turned, uh, Somebody, I think it was Hennigan, Absolutely inside yeah. out, come, <laughs> coming in. That was that was a tough look right there. But that I thought Hennigan
0: like I thought Hennegan had a good game overall. And just yeah, it's, and it's like yeah, he got turned by a by a tricky winger. That happens. And they had four guys close him down, and nobody could stop him from just teeing right. up Vokes, which right. wasn't great either. Like you'd expect, like as you're you're you know right at the center back three when that happens, you will have covering. Like you obviously want to stop him, but you would expect that you would hope. You would hope, maybe not expect, it is Sheffield Wednesday, you might have a covering <laughs> defender there to, to at least harangue the winger and make him, you know, give it, make it a little tougher than just setting it on a tee for Vokes like he did.
1: Yeah, although I, I think you're right to give credit to Wickham. That that 10 to 12 minute stretch uh, after the goal, they were clearly the better yep. team. That that goal was coming, but yep. then you know, uh, shortly after that, we. Regain control of the game, um, and I thought we were pretty deserving. By the time that uh, Smith uh, teed up that tap in for Baz, which was a great team goal from mm. you know all the way from the back line, a couple of different people touching it, you know, moving it quickly and progressively. So that was that was really nice to see, um, and and absolutely perfect pass from Smith, yeah. which uh, he's such an interesting player. Man. He is. He's, uh, he's so big and gangly and He's strong, but in a you know, just tall, large way. But he is pretty good with the ball at his feet.
0: Yeah, very confident He's with pretty him good.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I have a feeling uh foreshadowing we might be talking about him
0: uh yeah. during our He has news I think he had, section, like obviously uh, given his goal scoring prowess last year and the way Rotherham tend to play, he gets kind of a, I think he maybe had a reputation as more of a more of a poacher. Um, you know facing goal kind of number nine but he's shown the ability to especially when playing with Gregory to play out wide and so I thought I do want to give a, a shout to Lee Gregory for this game too like this was a classic yes. like Gary Hooper-esque performance with him just dropping <laughs> very deep to get the ball linking up with the midfielders turning and running getting like just he didn't obviously didn't get a goal at the end of it but he did a lot of dirty work to help set uh-huh. up Wednesday on the attack he usually does. I, he does. I, I
1: thought that was the best that him and Smith looked together. I'm still not quite sure that's the best combo, but.
0: Given, given their, you're right. Given their ability at this level, I think you give him a chance to figure it out.
1: Why not? Yeah. And, and, you know, Jeff, you're right. You point out that's what they both did, you know, kind of things that they're known for and they were able to make it work. And that's Smith enjoying drifting outside mm-hmm. a little bit. And, uh, you know, a lot of times in the past, I know he's drifted out and then come into the box for a header that's that's how I always fear him with Rotherham um and Gregory doing the same thing dropping back and uh you know providing that hold up play and you know again it wasn't super exciting we didn't you know um light the world on fire uh you know 10 total shots uh, to their seven but you know overall we we controlled the ball we controlled the play um I'm with you I would have liked us to maybe step on the throat a little more in the second half but you know, they never really threatened, um, you know, just a, a good, solid quality win against a team that is struggling, but is capable of causing a lot of trouble in this league. And we, we took care of that.
0: And that takes care of the Wickham game. We won't dwell on it any longer than needed to, because I've already forgotten most of it by Wednesday, but let will take a break, chat a little bit about the past month, of Wednesday performances and preview the upcoming fixtures. <laughs> Now it's time for some Wednesday news, and there is no Wednesday news, but the calendar is going to turn over to October for Wednesday's next match with Port Vale. So, we will actually discuss September Player of the Month while wow, it's still September for a change instead of our post hoc analysis of whoever the massive vote for over the coming week or so. Uh, for the record, this covers the Barnsley, Moricum, Ipswich, and Wickham games in the league. And if you want to include Burton Albion in the Pizza Cup, you can. We're we do not. going to lie to that mostly, I suspect. And you foreshadowed this, I think, a little bit in the discussion, but I think Michael Smith has a really strong case here.
1: I think he's one of two guys. I think there's two clear front runners um, at this point. Other people have had good performances. But, mm. yeah, Smith finally, you know, it, it took August. He was he was off, and I'm, I'm not sure he was back to full fit at the beginning of September, but he's had a nice run of games, and he is picking up points in addition to, you know all of the other off the ball things that he does providing decent pressure and and you know obviously he forces you to cover him when he's in the box he's a he's a big guy who uh you know takes up a lot of space um yeah really solid month he had two goals and an assist um you know i think we'll take that
0: um and and, i I don't obviously he does not get credit for the goal in moricom but he was certainly a a big part of it as well, even though it went down as an own goal. Right. Well, and, um, wasn't that,
1: wasn't that him that, uh, was right there on the cross from Johnson to open the Wickham game. Yes. You know, so again, even though he didn't get the goal per se, there's, there's no doubt that he's been, uh, he's been there and in, in it. So yeah, I, I think that I would probably vote for Smith. Uh, but do you have any other contenders that you, Really
0: like? I thought Bannons had a good month.
1: That's um, the other yeah, one for I me. think I, Yeah,
0: I, I Heckway too. Um, I, it's 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 hard to give it to a center back when they've shipped like I'm five goals to, yeah. in four <laughs> games. I'm, uh, I'm not but, ready
1: to, to do that. I think like he's a little too shaky. Maybe, maybe when like, they get settled.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think he's I think he's a good defender, but yeah, he, you know, he probably gets a little bit of, you know, he has to carry some of the issues that the oh, back line has did. had along with him. Yeah I, I mean
1: I think Bannon had uh he was uh, I don't know if he actually got it but but for me he was pretty clear man of the match for two games this month so it's hard to it's hard to argue against that as player of the month so um I, I think in the end I'd probably say Bannon over mm. Smith but but it was really nice to uh see the month that Smith had and, and hopefully some Foreshadowing for the rest of the yeah, season. Yeah, you
0: can again. You can look at you know Liam Palmer obviously won it last month. He had another really good uh, run of games here. I thought oh, George, Windass I, was solid. George Byers. I we missed out on uh, in the Wickham game, but he's had a very good month as well.
1: Uh, George Byers had a great month. Uh, I bet, I mean, Mark McGinnis. What well, we saw him. Yeah. Uh, over the course of the month, he was he was excellent as well. Um, I really hope that he rounds back into form um, and, you know, we can get him in shape and, yeah, and coming in. Uh,
0: seven points from four, you know, they're 20 from 10, which is promotion form. Uh, I guess, I guess the, if we, we want to stretch for Wednesday news, uh, <laughs> this is apparently their first, uh, their best performance in the first 10 games since they got 28 from 10 in 1990. Wow. That, that was going around on, uh, on Twitter over the last few days.
1: That's a good stat. No, I mean, uh, I'm sure
0: they've had better 10-match runs. You just don't notice yeah, it in the middle of the season. But, yeah, you you want to. This is, I think, as we've covered on this podcast over the last five or six years, not necessarily a team that always gets off to particularly hot starts, right? We usually you know, look, up, the, we look up at this point in the calendar, and obviously you shouldn't check the fixture table. Or not the fixture table. You shouldn't check the uh, table until Christmas. Christmas, but I would say intuitively around this time of the year, they're usually like ninth or seventh or twelfth, and like you know, three points off the playoffs or something like that. And again, this is a team that I think has and should have the goal of automatic promotion, but absolutely, they're you know, they're 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 about it, right. Um. So they are, they're one point off. They're one point of, off autos and fourth place overall, yeah. So
1: Yeah, it's they, uh, 22 fine. points, 21, 21, 20. Well, and the other thing, too, if you look at this schedule right now, they have played the second place team, third place team, fifth place team, sixth place team, and eighth place team right. so far this year. And they're playing, uh, now first Plymouth, place team. Uh is in first. So we have not had an easy start to the schedule and yet to take you know, I mean, obviously, uh, everybody lost their shit after Portsmouth, which, yeah. whatever. Um, but you know, in general, uh, most of the games have been have been pretty good. Now we, we have played Forest Green and we have played Morecam, sure. Um and they're they're trash. Uh, we saw that firsthand. I mean, uh, Wickham, played Wickham played is on, uh, Wickham's pretty right mid back, but I I don't know considering that start, um, you know, and there still is. Yeah, you know, we have not played uh, an atrocious Burton team with a full squad. Who
0: gives a shit? We have a challenge um, coming up in the next yeah, few weeks too. I yeah, think.
1: Bristol yeah. Rovers. Like, th- there's some not great teams that will have a chance to hopefully, uh, you know, batter about. But we'll, we'll see. I, I'm you have to. I think you have to be pleased with the start. I mean, if overall. you told
0: me they, you know, twenty points from the first ten matches plus ten goal difference, which is second in the yes. league right now, I'd I'd sign up for that. Right? It it not yeah. felt hasn't felt like they're really dominant, per se. They've had games and they've been dominant, you know, the last half hour of the Morecambe game, you know, Forest Green. And they've had, you know, like comfortable 2 nils in there as well. But, you know, we'll see. Again, as, as we always say, the squad needs tied to gel. So to get off to that, that kind of start while they're still kind of figuring things out and have had some. You know, some significant players miss significant time at this point as well. I think uh, it is Wednesday. I think we take this. It is wild that team uh, got twenty eight points from ten games. That's. (laughs) I mean, that was like that that was literally a first division team in the second division. But yeah,
1: that's true. Mm -hmm. But still, that's that's a great pace. I I thought you were going to bring out that stat of uh, most goals at home in
0: twenty twenty two by by a bundle too. Yeah. Seven more than man. Uh, yeah. Which is, I mean, we talked about Fortress was, Hillsborough. They really, uh, you know, they lost, uh, what's it? they lost to Barnsley at home
1: uh, earlier yes. in the month,
0: but they really have not dropped, to uh, drop points like that really in the last year of home games.
1: No, they've been very good. I mean, then again, for, I still have, you know, I, I feel like I still recognize some limitations with Darren Moore as an in game tactical manager. Sure. Um, and and you know he makes some decisions that if you're not around the team close can be a little difficult to understand sometimes with regards to maybe who who's going out there but you have to give him just an immense amount of credit uh for the team being so good at home like there there's something to that you know
0: you know it's easy to say that this is you know a championship level team in the in league 1 which is Not, you know, maybe a little bit of hyperbole, but not significantly so. But it's Darren Moore's recruitment that got these players in. So, again, we'll see how it plays out uh, in the coming months. And hopefully there will be more fun candidates for player of the month as we go through the season. But for now, we will move on to the Port Vale game. And we have a very interesting preview for this, Justin. We do.
1: I was... uh, So, I I don't remember exactly when. I'm going to say it was... Three years ago, uh, a uh, fine young British man named Andy McElwain reached out to me and said he was coming to Boston with his dad and, uh, you know, did we want to connect and, uh, you know, what could I tell him about Boston? And I uh, had a little bit of spare time on my hands and made an extensive list of uh, bars. I believe in response to his extensive list of bars, which not being from Boston, contained a lot of tourist traps and whatnot. Um, but Andy and I were able, and his father were able to meet up and I got shamefully drunk that night. That was, uh, that was a hell of an experience hanging with Andy. So, uh, we've stayed in touch since and, and checked in, uh, every year and he was nice enough to call, uh, last spring call the house, uh, from the packed, uh, Hillsboro, uh, which was cool. My kids could hear the live, uh, live feed of the game. So we appreciated that. And this summer, Andy said, "Hey, when you get to the Port Vale game, uh, remind me to tell you a story uh, about Port Vale." And I said, oh, "Okay, sure." Um, and unfortunately, we couldn't get him directly on. But the nice thing is, is he sent a extensively long text. I'm going to have to get a word count on this at some point. Is this but,
0: longer than your uh, actual previews usually?
1: <laughs> uh, no, but it's it's it could be comparable, Jeff. Could be comparable. But so I'm going to read just word for word Andy's uh, note to me, uh, and that will consist of the preview for Port Vale. Forgive my lack of a British accent. As promised, my experience from Port Vale last time I went. Stoke is a shithole, one of the worst places in the UK, downtrodden, full of chavs, high unemployment, and utterly hopeless. Burslem the shittiest part of Stoke, is home to Port Vale, a truly heinous part of the world, a nothingness of a place. Like Rotherham is to Sheffield, it's a small little village across the motorway which resembles the scene from Deliverance or The Walking Dead. However, Rotherham looks like one of Europe's most beautiful ancestral jewels when in comparison to Burslem. In a season where Wednesday finished in our second worst position in our history, 16th in the third tier of the football pyramid, This was a remarkably torrid day out as the Valiants completed their double over us in the 2003-2004 season. Thankfully, we were given a lift to and from the ground by a mate who was working in the press box. He liked to get there early, real early, which was great for us. We could get a few beers in. The road into Burslem is quite nice. Green countryside, quaint villages, and a fog creeping down from the rolling hills around us. We marked off all the pubs in the area as we didn't know which ones would be welcoming to away fans. We didn't want to cause trouble. Just have a few beers, chat to some fans, and then go watch us inevitably roll over and have our bellies tickled, as was usually the case that season. Now, our first pub was quite quiet. We sat down with our beers, and soon after, this little snarling 15-year-old, dressed head to toe in fake-ass Burberry, came up to us. You from Sheffield, he muttered through his missing teeth. The seven or eight mates were looking in through the window. Uh, Yeah, we are. We're we're just having this and heading somewhere else, I said. Not only did I smell his odor, I smelled trouble, too. Now, the associates of this toothless chab, all wearing the same three-pound Burberry wannabe caps, started calling their older mates who started to stand outside the pub and wanted a bit of a ruckus and spinning on the floor. We exited out via the back exit to another pub, which we knew more Wednesday nights were going to be in. We were getting hungry. We rarely ate at the ground because, well, the food is generally swill in that stadium. All the places to eat were either boarded up or shut. The new hostelry we found had at least five broken windows, which we counted. It was quite the dive. But it was the designated Wednesday pub. One of the signs adorned said, hot food served here. So we thought we could fill our bellies deer and not be chased by the locals. But at the bar, the only food they did was crisps. Literally the only food. They told us they'd been trying to take down the hot food sign for weeks, but people kept putting the windows through, so they hadn't bothered. (laughs) Uh, Last time they did food at that pub was the previous summer. We left the pub and headed to the ground. All we saw, apart from the boarded-up businesses, were locals, all wearing their fake thread, wanting to have a piece of the swelling of traveling fans from hillsborough police separated us but many squirmishes broke out i did see our friend from the first pub again but he was now throwing bricks classy we felt they wanted to show up against the boys from the big city so we got to the ground watched us lose three to nothing thanks to goals from mcphee brooker and former pig hero adrian littlejohn awful game awful place to visit and we vowed never to Return to the home of Robbie Williams again, and that is Port Vale.
0: I should point out, Wednesday have sold off their allotment, gotten an additional allotment, <laughs> and sold that out. As well. <laughs> so, uh, good luck ah, to everyone excellent. going to uh, going to Port Vale this weekend. Hopefully, a better result <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, than then poor Andy got. Mm.
0: That was somehow uh, more cutting than any town, uh, any preview James has done over the years.
1: I was uh, yeah, I was pretty vicious. Um, I would like to note for uh, Plymouth, they have they have worked their way up into first since
0: yeah, they have we, not lost. Uh, we, should, that. That we have not lost since we did the Plymouth preview.
1: Yeah, um, they have beaten Derby, uh, Oxford, uh, drawn with Portsmouth, and beat Ipswich in that time.
0: And that takes us to Plymouth Argyle, and once again this week we somehow found an American League One fan. Troy Main, Plymouth Argyle fan, Wisconsinite, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks for having me on. This is really fun. I'm really glad that you
0: reached out to us for uh, our observations. So we have to start with this again, as I said to the Forest Green Rovers fans a couple weeks ago, uh, silly to say as an American Sheffield Wednesday fan, but why an American Plymouth Argyle fan?
2: Good question been asked it a few times uh so my my story is um my my brother my younger brother uh spent some time in in uh london and has married into a le uh, to a premier a long premier league family let's say so in nineteen ninety five i i went to a a premier league Uh, a a premier league team match but because this is a league one podcast we don't who cares who it was and uh, that was my first dip into English soccer I came home and as a good you know upper midwesterner thought I can't just go from not following English soccer to choosing one of the top league teams I need to struggle like everybody else does so uh, my family heritage is Cornish. My my last name, Maine, is uh, is a Cornish name. And so I looked for a team in the Southwest, and chose the team is that's the largest city in England that has never played in the top division of its domestic league. So I think I chose well
0: from the struggler standpoint. So where had uh, where, what league were they in at that time?
2: Well, so in so ninety ninety five is when I when, when, when I uh, went to London for a match uh, this other team and in the spring of ninety six, uh, Argyle won at Wembley to move to uh, to then the second division. Um, I'm sorry, then the third division, right? <laughs> league, <laughs> league one, basically League one. They were they moved to League one on a on a great header by uh,
0: Ronnie Maje, and uh, things moved from there. So what is the the Plymouth Argyle support in the US like?
2: It is uh it it's 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 growing but it's growing by, you know, one by one. So um you know, I guess it gets to I mean, well to put it this way, until 2019 there was no such thing I think as an organized uh American supporter group uh for Plymouth Argyle fans. Um and uh, so, what we've been doing is, is uh, you know, slowly but surely via the twitters, uh, been finding people, and many of them are are expats that thought they were the only Argyle fan in all of America, um, but we actually have you know a good a good number of uh, of Americans that, and and they they tend to come from American lower league soccer, which is a which is a lovely place in and of itself uh, in terms of of true support for, uh, you know, the community aspects of your team and, and, and what it, what it really takes to, uh, you know, to, to, to be a long timer in for the long haul, let's say. So
0: I guess sort of, has it been easier with the sort of the advent of iFollow and the ability to watch? I, I don't know if Plymouth actually has a, has a weekly subscription service like Wednesday does, but you do get a lot of lower league football that you just could not have seen even five years ago really outside of maybe one sky game a month or something like that got picked up by your random cable station but now you've got you know espn plus shows league one games i mean if you don't want to shell out the whatever there. Grifting you for iFollow and it's a lovely service, but It's a lot of money, <laughs> whatever you, whatever they're <laughs> charging this year for iFollow Um You can still probably get, you know, for you know, a, a game a month or something like that because they do pick up a lot of games. Um, and all, of course, all the cup competitions now uh, are also on ESPN Plus and stuff like that. you think that's made it easier to uh, recruit fans in because they can actually watch it and don't have to listen to like a, an audio broadcast in their car or something like that?
2: Absolutely. That, as I was thinking, uh, today on my commute at home about our, our discussion tonight, uh, that's exactly what I was thinking about was who would have thought five years ago that we'd be in a position where you could be promoting a third tier English, you know, football team, not, I mean, basically on its own merits, right? Okay. If, if you like the colors, if you like the, the fan support, if you like a player, um, you you feel know, like that you they're all vegans.
0: <laughs> if, if yeah, exactly.
2: correct, yeah, the FGR guys are a great yeah. example of that. Um, that that you could sell so your shell out two hundred fifty dollars, and you might accidentally really fall in love with them, and then now you now you're paying two hundred fifty dollars a year forever. You know.
0: So Plymouth off to a good start this year, uh, much like last season uh, in. Third place, a, a spot ahead of Wednesday going into this match. We'll see where the, the table stands when they kick off. But uh, early thoughts on the season so far. Uh,
2: well, I I, I guess you, you can't help but look back at what the prior season was when when, when you think about where you sit. And I, I don't know how closely you look. We're, we're going to talk about the bad news first, right? <laughs> we're going to talk about how we ended up last year, which was we just absolutely ran out of gas, nothing in the tank we, we sat in a playoff spot for much of the, you know, the home stretch last season. And then the last four matches were all against other, uh, you know, top six teams and we needed one win and we could not get one win. And, uh, you know, it was it was hard. Uh, but I think everybody that follows Argyle knows that we probably punched above our weight class a bit last year. Um, we have a lot of confidence in our front office, our owner, our our, our sort of strategy for the way we're building the club going forward. Uh, so, my answer for what I feel about this season is that it's fantastic news that we are off to a great start. That seems to show that we're we're pushing on from where we
0: where we ended up. Let's say in the fifth to the last game <laughs> of last season. How about that? Do you think there was a you know, there's obviously a flying start to the season. I know when, when Wednesday went there last year, got absolutely blown off the pitch. Do you think there was a, a hangover after Ryan low left and how have they sort of, I know that, uh, Schumacher obviously was in his, uh, back room staff. So it's very familiar with the way he plays and has tweaked some things, but do you think, how has that sort of transition been over the, over the long term?
2: It's, it's been, it's, has been really interesting to watch. Um, if you looked at last season we did have some peaks and valleys and i i mean i i'm too i'm i'm literally thousands of miles too far away to be able to say what the backroom effect was of all of that um but uh back to what i said earlier i think that our team at the moment is built our our, our organization at the moment is built around more than one person and uh, neil deusnip who is the director of football has uh, you know, a a great great resume. He won a actually he's a gold medalist with a, a Canadian gold medalist. He was a part of the Canadian uh, women's staff uh, that helped them uh, win the gold this last year. So he and also sponsored by Argyle USA. We our our American supporters chipped in funds and we support Neil. So shout out to Neil if he's listening to Owl Podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Doing some reconnaissance, yeah.
2: Exactly. Uh, but uh, so so I, I would say that the, the team was prepared, the, the club, the organization was prepared for that option. I think we all kind of knew that Ryan Lowe wouldn't be with us forever. I don't think Ryan Lowe ever let anybody think that he would be with us forever. We were all kind of surprised that he made the jump as soon as he did.
1: And, you know. And to Preston, right? That, that has to be a little bit of a surprise.
2: Yes. I, I think, I mean. <laughs> I think pure geography and we'll see how it all bears out. Um, You know, that, that was, that's where he's from. He's from, he's from that, that area. I can understand why it looked attractive to him and I, whatever, I'm I'm not going to get too salty about it. Ryan's got to do Ryan, I guess.
0: I think we've seen too with the, with the Sunderland, I don't want to call it a mess per se, but the Sunderland managerial kerfluffle that the, you know, there's a lot of money for a manager in the championship, even if it's, literally pressed to North end apparently <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. compared to league one. Yeah.
2: So, you know, I, I, I'm taking this a little far afield, but I mean, Steve, Steve Schumacher, he moved his family down to mm-hmm. Plymouth and, you know, that's, that's one of the biggest challenges that, that Argyle has is in English terms, if not in American terms, it's a long, long way from, <laughs> you know, from other places to, to Plymouth. And, uh, you know, Shuey has kind of is as has, has endeared himself to the community and has at least shown that he's that he's committed to this. I mean, it's his first it's his first head coach, coaching head managerial gig ever. Um, I think it's a great opportunity for him. We'll see what happens. Um, but so far, I I think he's. I mean, he's he's a very good tactical manager, is what we all think. That those of us that watch these matches together, uh, Zoom wise, and this might be something to watch on Saturday rarely does a halftime go by where he doesn't come back and you go, oh, he knew the adjustment to make. That doesn't doesn't always always win the match, but, I mean, he, he knows the adjust He makes the adjustments and he reads the game well. I don't like hearing that. <laughs> no, I was going to say
1: right. that. That's <laughs> concerning. Given, yeah, given uh, the way that we are. Can, can I ask about uh, – I, I noticed you guys have a bunch of uh, – young, talented players on loan, quite young players, 19, 20, 22 year olds uh, on loan from some big squads. You said that was part of your overall uh, pack. you your director of football, really looking to get people in. What, what have you seen from those kids so far this year? Right.
2: Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just, just for the, the new folks this season. So, so Finn Azaz has, uh, has, has just has opened everyone's eyes. Um, he, 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 uh, Well, all of our loan, all of our loanees have been, have been surprisingly good to start with, but it's a brand, but it's a brand new season. But um, I I don't know if you you guys recall, you know, Danny Mayer, Danny Mayer has played in lower league for, for years and is, um, you know, he's our, our man on the ball, the guy that makes the pass before the pass type player. And, uh, and, and he and Finn have really, you know, found a bond together, I think. And, um He's 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 been a man to watch, um, no doubt about it. And I don't know, Justin, if you're
1: referring to the to the Cosgrove, um, uh, you know. Well, what what is that? I, I I saw that he had he has played 16 minutes all year, and he has two goals.
2: <laughs> it was just you know, I mean, it's like I was thinking about that today and thinking, well, okay, so what sort of perspective can I give on Cosgrove? And it's like I, he he only touched the ball seven times, and two of those times was a goal. So is he? Is he great? I don't know if that, <laughs> that, that I can say that. But what, what was great about him was that, you know, during the loan process, so he had played at Wimbledon. He had played at AFC. He had played at Shrewsbury. And when we took him on, you know, on whatever earlier in the week, uh, you know, for the for the loan. Of course, we heard the usual Twitter slagging about how horrible he was, and um, you know the the response, of course, is well, what kind of service were you given the man at Shrewsbury and AFC? And then in the second half against Derby, I mean, just he did a fantastic job with both of his uh,
1: his opportunities. Um, do you have a uh, do you have a set eleven, or do you guys? It kind of looks like you have some fairly heavy squad rotation. Is that? in game you tend to use or does he tend to use all five subs or is it a matter of starting with different lineups horses for courses
2: right i i I would say that that's that that's part of the step forward of this season compared to last season i last year i don't think we had um you know like for like swap outs where where there was not a drop off and this year i i think we're, we're getting closer and closer to that um so yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I actually, again, you know, for our, for our call, I kind of jotted some thoughts down, and and there's 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 more than one player per position that I think Shuey chooses from. So yeah, I, I, there's a bit of a horses for courses. Like like the Cosgrove move is an interesting one. So uh, you know, Ryan Ryan Hardy, our our usual up top striker is the speed man. He's the guy to get behind. Um, uh, Niall Ennis, uh, is, is kind of the spark plug. You know, he's the, he's the, the, the hold up guy, except he's not a tall hold up guy. He's a, he's a very strong hold up guy. So when they brought Cosgrove on, the thought was, in my thinking at least, all right, you're classic, you know, you're classic hold up the ball sort of player. And then I, you know, who knows after, after Saturday, because he, that's not the way he played, not the way he scored those two goals, but
0: I'm, I got a smile on my face. Just remind me, Chris. Who I, I'm asking Chris because like, he might know this. Who was the Wednesday player that scored like two goals in their debut and then like never scored again for the the team afterwards? <laughs> I think it was like early 2000s. Oh, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, you could yeah. probably. There's probably multiple, multiple,
2: multiple, multiple of them. But yes, uh, yeah, I can't recall. Um, honestly. They they did the 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 squad did you know last year we played two men up front and in the in the off season one of the things that Shuey worked on was coming up with a plan B because uh, and and I I can't say that I know that I'm tactical enough to be able to say what but um, you know it it was said that they figured us out last year in the middle of the season with our with our our two men up front. And so they, they started working on a plan B, which was the play depending on which of the Argyle uh, press you're reading. It's either a a three, four, three, or it's a three, four, two, one. There's clearly a point to the spear and then a couple people that are, that are withdrawn a bit behind it. And, um, and, and, you know, that's, that's kind of what you're going to see. And, and I think it's a little bit of thunder lightning. So you've got, you know, you, you you may start hardy to try to get the, the speed and honest to, you know, to, to pulverize a little bit after that or or vice versa. And how Cosgrove fits in, I don't know. But I, I understood that maybe that's what they were trying to do by bringing him on.
0: It was Reggie Blinker, and by the way, Chris. <laughs>
1: oh. That's who you were thinking Reggie of? Reggie Blinker, Jesus yes. Jesus, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Aziz and, and, and Mayer. In the ten, there sitting behind. Yeah, the, yeah, uh, Azaz, uh,
2: Azaz and Mayer will be the Azaz, will, will yeah. be the two set central midfielders, and then um, on the left, Oh Bali Mamba is the other um, is the other that we got that is that has been you know kind of lights out so far. He's been playing on the left because our our left side wingers are injured right now and then joe edwards is our captain and kind of a long a long time three you know three season sort of guy very you know very solid hard worker scrapper on the right hand side
1: on the uh, offensive set do you do you expect to be you know obviously last year we, we saw that game at Plymouth and you guys just sliced us to pieces it was it was actually frankly kind of impressive uh to to see disappointing on our end but do you, do you expect with the game being uh, at Plymouth that you will come out and attempt to attack? Or do you think there's a sense that Wednesday perhaps has enough firepower that whether you're at home park or not, it, it doesn't, you know, maybe your game plan is, is different? Right. But
2: great, great question. Um, I, I think that Chewy tries to play positive possession football no matter what um so i i think that's probably what we try everywhere um i do recall us getting thumped we'll, we'll skip the fa cup match but in the league in the league match we you know we got thumped by you guys at hillsborough and I I I don't recall it well enough to know. Other than I mean, to, I mean, I, I remember watching the match, but I think it was just one of those. It started going downhill fast, and we were playing a very experienced club. That once they had us on the ropes, were you know knew what knew what to do with us. So I I I did. I looked at last season's results, and it's like wow, this looks like home team wins. You know, so far in uh, in our in our recent history together.
0: Go ahead, Chris. I, I was going to say, with all due
2: respect, everybody should forget that third round FA Cup tie. I think it was on a at 7 a.m. on a Sunday Sunday morning. And it what was it, nil-nil? It was yeah. perhaps the most boring game of football. Yes. I've ever watched. It was it was pretty dull.
1: Uh, and no, I, I think know. we made 10 changes for the replay or something absurd. It was bad. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I, I believe, and I, and I could be wrong, but I believe the return fixture at Hillsborough was interesting because you guys, Ooh. it almost seemed to be the home team. You guys had the possession in, in vast discrepancy and we just smacked you on the counter a couple times early and that, you know, and then we were able to just sit back and, and not worry too much about your possession. Um, so I, I think that would probably be Wednesday's goal, uh, going in Saturday, although we've seen all year, we've tried to play on the front foot as well. So. I'm hoping for an exciting game.
0: Well, it does sound like, uh, you know, Plymouth does seem to both score goals and concede goals. And God knows Wednesday are capable of doing both as well in any given week. So <laughs> right. there will probably be goals in it. But in the longer term, you know, you mentioned that Plymouth were maybe punching a little bit above their weight last year. But, you know, is it brought in a, a lot of loan talent for a lot of young lone talent from Premier League teams off to a good start? is this a situation where the expectation is playoffs this year? I, I,
2: I, think the team has absolutely set that as their goal. I mean, they, they, uh, I, I, would say the beginning of last year, the goal would have been to make the playoffs this year. And, and the key would be to not get disheartened and distracted by the fact that we came so, so close, but just short last season. Um, the, I, you know, I, I, I know that in the long-term uh, you know, the club is, is, is building a, a style of football there. It's a very data driven goal oriented approach to the team that um, that our, that our owner has insisted is the way we're going to play from now on. And or, or the, I mean, not even just play, but the way we're going to, you know, progress from now on. Um, so I, I would say that the, the the squad knows that knows what they have to do. And that includes this year, having, having that as their goal. You might've dodged the
0: question there. A <laughs> Maybe a little bit of the passive voice there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Troy, thanks for joining us. Uh, and as we say in all these segments, uh, good luck the rest of the season, but not this week.
1: Yes, ex- exactly. Hey, one one more quick question from me. Uh, how happy are you to see uh, the backside of Scott Twine out of this league, huh? <laughs> what, what, what was that? I didn't hear that. How, how happy are you to see Scott Twine out of the way? Oh
2: no! Out of this kidding. League?
1: <laughs> how good is he? Huh? See now the mind games
2: are starting. Yes. Yeah, so we, we, well, now we have to talk about the last match. Of hey, last he he years.
1: he torched he torched us twice last year too. It, it, he was just, he was a dominant flip player at this level. If
0: it, if it makes you feel better, it couldn't have been worse than the last game of Nottingham Forest season uh, two years ago. And they managed to get up shortly after. So,
2: yes. No, actually, Justin, I, the, 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 the you have, you're not the first person within Argyle world to have mentioned that about this upcoming season, that not seeing him in a Don's shirt is going to be just fine. So, all right. Well, thanks much, gents. Thanks. Also, I want to say hello to my guys down in New Orleans. Uh, oh yeah, I forgot. Care about. of me in April. I saw him at Finn's. I had an Argyle shirt on, and uh, oh beauty. I what, yeah. I wondered what these blue and white striped fellas were doing at the end of the bar, and uh, getting drunk. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly
2: so i accidentally kind of crashed a, a sheffield wednesday uh you know viewing party so that and we was... do our
0: best to create league one corners and bars across the country so
2: <laughs> <laughs> nice meeting you guys
1: yeah, right, Great here. You. you've
0: been listening to episode 190 of the owls america cast you can find us on the internet at owlsamericas.com email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com find and follow us on twitter and instagram at owlsamericas.com our podcast intro and bumpers by fellow Wednesdayites for Everton and the Makers. The podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show, just do what feels right. Wherever you choose Consuming Owls America's, we ask you rate and review the show as it helps more Wednesdayites find our ramblings. Justin is on Twitter at New England Owl. Justin, we didn't do this last week. We were supposed to wish a very happy birthday to a certain New Orleans owl who did get a 3 1 win out of the deal, at least.
1: Yeah, I had forgotten about that. I, mm-hmm. I saw the note to uh, to drop a thank you, but. As you but, can uh, tell, I... we, don't
0: actually, uh, we don't actually take copious notes when we're sketching this out and recording it. I don't know if you've noticed that. But regardless, I'm on Twitter at Jeff and we'll be back again next week. Bye.